0: Welcome to the Commonwealth Club and another program of the Michelle Meow Show at the Club. We are going to have a very good conversation today uh, about a new film that uh, has been getting great reviews. I just wanted to mention for those of you who are joining us, maybe for the first time, the Commonwealth Club produces about 500 programs like this every year. And like pretty much everyone else, for reasons we all know, we have stopped our in-person live audience programs and are now presenting these all virtually, and most of them are free of charge. So you can find out more about our schedule. We've got a lot of things lined up, and we are adding more pretty much every day at commonwealthclub.org slash online. You can also find out ways there to support us to keep our programming going during this time. Now, I'm John Zipper. I'm the Commonwealth Club's Vice President of Media and Editorial, and I also have the pleasure of co-hosting the Michelle Miao Show here at the club. So... I think I'm going to take this high honor right now and just introduce Michelle Meow herself. (laughs) Take it away, Michelle.
1: Oh, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. If you're joining us for the very first time and are hearing of the Michelle Meow Show, the Michelle Meow Show is your A through Z covering the LGBT LMNOP and everyone in between. So today, we have a great special program. I'm super, super, super excited, and probably as excited as you are if you've seen the film, which just debuted this past weekend, and as John said, has received glowing and positive reviews. The film is The Half of It, which tells a uh, coming-of-age story of a smart but cash-strapped teen, Ellie Chu, who agrees to write a love letter for a jock to his crush. Ellie doesn't expect to become his friend or fall for his crush. Now, to me, this feels like it's a scene from my own coming-of-age story, so that's probably why I'm so excited. Let's welcome our guest to the program, film director Alice Wu and star of The Half of It, Leah Lewis. Welcome to the Michelle Miao Show. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. It is so good so cool. to be here today. Yay, let's have fun. Uh, Because, you know, certainly the film is incredibly fun. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, uh, Leah, for 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 the half of it. I I just said it, I I told you, I mean, when I looked up at the screen, I saw myself the quirky, nerdy, Asian American, uh, you know, that's trying to fit in, but also trying to find herself and, and queer. I'll start with you, Alice. Um, You know, I think for many of us, especially in the Asian-American community, when we talk about uh, uh, coming out, I I mean, it's so special in a lot of ways because we have different coming out stories for our families, culturally coming out. I'd love to, it's a tradition here on the program, start with you and ask you your coming out story, if that's okay.
0: Oh,
2: (laughs) sure. It's so long ago. Um I I um so I didn't come out to myself till I was a senior in college but it was like painfully obvious that I probably had crushes on girls since maybe the 3rd or 4th grade but uh as I think is true for a lot of people where amazing at repressing. I was just very repressed and we're amazing at lying to ourselves about who we do or don't like or what we do or don't want, right? So it wasn't until I was a senior in college, I was taking a feminist studies class of all things. And um, in the class, they actually had an assignment where they asked everyone in the class, and this is in like 1989. So this is a time when I didn't know anyone who was gay, no one I knew knew anyone that was out and gay. Um, And they assigned uh, basically like write a letter to your parents saying that you're gay, like just to turn it, not to obviously send to them. Cause presumably nobody in class is gay. Right. And, um, I remembered because I, so I grew up, um, I was born here I spoke Mandarin uh, as my first language. And my parents and I only spoke Mandarin with each other. Uh, they could speak English. It's just, it was just, you know, it's like, I think Mandarin maybe is my language of intimacy and i don't read and write though so i would never write a letter to my parents um and i certainly wouldn't tell them something this important in english because that was not uh, a language that we we really communicated in so i i i ca- i was ca- i was basically caught in this very sort of weird situation where i wanted to do the assignment but i also it, it, basically i blocked the assignment out of my head for like the full week and then the night before it was due I, I basically went and I borrowed, um, I borrowed two tape recorders. This is how, a gun. How long ago this is? And I want and an extension cord. I live in a two room double with uh, uh, my and my roommate also spoke Mandarin and she lived in the outer room. I lived in the inner room and I had our big shared walk in closet and I don't lock my door. She would just come in and out, right? So I basically put, I was like so worried that she would hear me recording something and think she is gay. So instead I put a tape recorder in my room and I started loudly playing um, The Wind by Cat Stevens. So that's like playing, I listen to the wind, to the wind of my soul. So it's like playing super loud. I take the other tape recorder with the extension cord into the walk-in closet where I proceed to record on tape what I would say to my parents to like turn in. So I record this thing. And then I'm trying to explain to the professor what this is. I'm writing on and on and on. And I'm saying like, you know, it's fascinating how, like, I don't even know the word for gay in Mandarin. And if you don't have the word, how can you even you know, how can you even think that you are something? I'm just like literally intellectualizing the entire experience. And I get to the end and I'm like, well, I suppose I'm writing so much about this because I am gay. So there I said it. And that's literally the moment that I came out to myself. And I always, like, I even remembered thinking to myself, this is ludicrous. Like I am coming out of the closet while sitting in my closet. Like if I actually (laughs) put this in a movie, no one, like everyone would be like, that is way too on the nose, right? Like I could have, but that's literally what happened. But like, yeah, so that, that was me coming out to myself. And then a number of weeks later, I ended up telling uh, my mom and it went terribly, actually. But uh, but yeah.
1: Sounds like something Ellie Chu would also do. <laughs> Maybe it's a cut scene from the half of it. But Leah, I mean, just to, to add to that, you know, meeting... Alice reading the script, getting to know Ellie, uh, being Ellie, playing Ellie, you know, uh, uh, how much of Ellie is in you or or talk to us about the experience or how fun you had, you know, getting to know Ellie?
3: Well, first of all, I want to say um, I'm so touched to hear that you related to certain things with Ellie, like so, so touched to hear that. That is so special. Um, But also, it was because of Alice's honesty and her very, very clear writing and depiction of Squamish and the things that she experienced as herself kind of like fused into Ellie that really helped me embody that character. She worked with me so closely on um the different things that Ellie went through. And it's interesting because I, as Leah, am kind of a bit more out there, energetic, and uh, direct. Uh, So pretty much kind of the opposite of Ellie at times. (laughs) And, um, you know, Alice and I really had to go in and strip that part of me away and find a more observant, patient, internal, and quieter side of myself, which is Ellie. So actually during this process, I found a very, very beautiful side of myself that I wasn't really that confident in before and wasn't really able to see until... Alice and I kind of worked through this and made these qualities uh, make make me understand these qualities more for myself. Um, But it was so fun, like being being Ellie Chu and also just getting to know more about the first generation immigrant experience. I did not grow up in that household. I grew up as an adoptee from Shanghai, China, with Caucasian parents. So even just working with Alice on this and getting to know more about her experience and Ellie Chu's experience, aside from mine, it has been such a beautiful, rich journey, and I, I'm so grateful that Alice gave me this opportunity and saw that.
2: I'm so grateful, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. No, I, I'm so lucky.
0: <laughs> well, well, Alice, why don't you take us back to the beginning of the idea for this film, and and what threads came together? What and you know, different filmmakers will kind of talk differently about. You know whether they came up with the idea of the story first, or they had a theme they wanted to go after. Start at the very beginning with this film for you. How, how did it work?
2: Wow, well, there there are a lot of ways, as as you point out, to answer that, and I I, I don't want to take up all the time. So so I think maybe the thing to talk about is um, I I do write from a, a, a for the things that I'm going to direct myself. I write from a very personal place, and to be honest, at the point I'm writing it, I actually don't think that film is probably going to get made. And that frees me up to sort of write, you know, to write in the most honest way. Um, And I think for one of the things, like my first film, Saving Face, was really about, it was really about my relationship with my mom, right? I really wrote that for my mom. But when I look at it, I realize I was basically asking the question, is it possible to have both find romantic love and have your family, together at the same time. Like, really, that's what that movie is about. Because honestly, I didn't know how to answer that question then, because it really didn't seem for someone like me that that was something that we ever saw. And so similarly, with the half of it, it kind of started as a question about, um, you know, it's funny. I I think I I grew up, as I think many of us did, like weaned on romantic comedies and like watching, not romantic comedies even, but like classic films, Chinese soap operas, reading a lot of Victorian novels. And I sort of became, you know, I sort of imbued in this idea of when you find your perfect other romantic partner, that your life is complete, right? And But as I was getting older, something I started to notice is that when I think back on like the heartbreaks that I've had in my life, certainly once, you know, I've had some really significant romantic relationships that mattered a tremendous amount, but it wasn't like only those heartbreaks were the most important heartbreaks in my life. Um, and if I'm really honest, probably the two biggest, well, one of, probably the biggest heartbreak I had was with my mom, who now we're incredibly close. But when I came out to her, how terribly that went. Um, and that really is what Saving Face is about. But another, uh, like there have been other heartbreaks I've had really with friends. Like I've had a couple friends where for whatever reason, we were not able to continue the intimacy in our friendship, right? And I think it's something that happens to a lot of people. It's not even like we hate each other. It's more literally because... Sometimes, honestly, it's because everyone feels like you got to prioritize your romantic partner. And then it becomes hard to figure out how you you keep that kind of intense intimacy you had as friends. And so when I came out, as I mentioned, uh, and my senior year of college, my, uh, my, the person who ended up becoming my best friend was this like straight white guy who's like the last Maybe not the last person, but as not somebody who I met, I would be like, oh, we'll definitely be close friends. I was like, oh, here's somebody. But we would like have the most intense conversations about life. And it was utterly platonic. Um, And he was probably the most influential in helping me accept myself as gay. Like I was coming out, I was freaked out. My family wasn't speaking to me. I didn't know how to tell my previous friends because, you know, it's very hard. You've had these friends for a number of years to be like... By the way, now I'm gay. <laughs> like you like you don't like even though I know that's not what's happened. I like I and also I had all this internalized homophobia of like what if they're like did she have a crush on me? Like there was all this stuff where it was, but meanwhile, here's this guy who just totally accepted me as I was. Like it was no different to him that I was gay and we talked a lot about love. Um and b- both of us are trying to figure out how to get love actually and um romantic love and without going into too much detail over the, like that, that was a friendship that it was hard to maintain ultimately. Um, I think when he did like go off and have a girlfriend and I think the girlfriend was a little bit like, who's this person? And I, I think as a society, it's a little bit, sometimes they don't have the vocabulary or the, or the ability to articulate all the different kinds of love there are. So it was from this place that I was really like always had this question of like, it's like, what happens when you meet... Like, I think we meet more than one soulmate in our life. But what if you meet one and you have no desire to have sex with them, right? How, how do you give a level of importance to that relationship? So it's coming from that. And then as I was writing, at some point I thought, oh, I'll, I, I think I should set this in high school. Uh, because when I initially tried to set it as 20-somethings, it just the story for me just became unwieldy, probably because I was too close to it. But when you set something in high school, like... You know, and and you you basically have for something like this, a coming of age romantic comedy, you basically only have like a hundred minutes, you know, and and to get for me to get to an ending that I was satisfied with, that I felt like would be both earned and would make the audience feel a sense of completion on emotionally. um, High school is a great place to do that, Uh, mainly because every feeling you have in high school feels so huge. So you can really, you know, it really is like you fall in love with someone and you think if you don't get that person, you think you will die alone. Like it's that kind of like hugeness. Right. So that's a great place to cover a lot of emotional territory very quickly. Um, And because truly I do think we all regress to being teens when it comes to love. So, so that's kind of how, how it came about.
1: Let's talk about the, the timing of the premiere, the half of it. And, and speaking of high school and young people, I mean, it's such a, a sad moment for, for many of us, but specifically high school experiences because their experiences are cut short, right? Like uh, people can't even, you know, the class of 2020, I, I won't bring up the the sad fact that they won't be able to to graduate with their peers. So for Leah, I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, um, what responses maybe you've gotten from the youth community and and also you know when we talk about relationships and fluidity, and I think it's easier now today for young people to articulate uh, these types of relationships, whereas you know when I was seventeen and I definitely had crushes on you know my friends like female friends, but were too afraid to ever say anything and 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 had you know, hot guy friends. Because then I could, you know, secretly kind of <laughs> vicariously live through them in some weird way because I hadn't come out yet. Uh, so we'd love <laughs> to hear, you know, the responses maybe that you've gotten from youth people who've said, you know, thank you, Leah. You, you're, you're telling my story there on the screen. And also if uh, you hear anything from young folks right now who are, you know, under uh, this pandemic and can't have th- the high school experiences that, we've, that we want, we want them to have.
3: Yeah. Well, I have been probably shedding a couple of tears every day at some of the responses that I have seen from like for this film. I feel like I'm learning more and more about Ellie Chu every single day just by hearing everyone else's stories. And that's huge. Even though I played the character, the people out there that are experiencing these things and relating to these things are completely what makes Ellie Chu also Alice Wu made Ellie Chu, but <laughs> um, it's it's been really, really beautiful and such a privilege to be able to play a character that people feel so closely to, especially during a time like this. You know, I just really hope that everyone realizes how important their own individual story is, no matter what is happening externally. I know these are really tough times, but I hope that Everyone out there is really being gentle to themselves as well. And um, I'm just kind of trying to place my hope in the future for things. (laughs) But I think right now um, something that is amazing is seeing this community of people. I think we're really lucky to have technology and social media right now because it is giving people um, who need their stories to be told a platform to kind of voice their opinions and what they've been going through right now. So I'm really grateful that we in the cast as well, Alexis and Daniel, have been able to have access to these things um, and get to read those things. I know Alexis and I have been texting each other back and forth, um, all the fan art and seeing people's different photos that they've been submitting of themselves, um, looking like Chu or what, looking like Ellie Chu or what their favorite thing about Aster and Daniel is it's been, I feel like it's all brought everyone kind of closer in a way, which I can only hope um, for something like this.
0: Well, stick, stay along that line. And Alice, what's it like to write for a high schooler, you know, to get into that mindset? I mean, are you, do you surrounded by that world? Do you, did you run it past anyone and say, Hey, does this sound right? Or do you just have a good ear for that?
2: You know, it's so funny. I wish I could tell you, like, yes, this is how I did it. <laughs> but to be totally honest, um, I I again, well, okay, I do wonder. So I I do long-form improv and teach improv. And I think um I wonder if that has some part to do with it, but I fundamentally do believe that people we're all far more similar than we're different. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is I wrote these as people who happen to be in high school. And the thing is I don't know. Teenagers are just people. They're literally just people who are in high school. And I just wrote people that felt like I I was trying more to get to the essence of what their emotions were. Um, I definitely do have friends who are teens or I definitely do have, uh, like, it's not like I never encounter a teen. What are they? Like, I definitely encounter them, but I wouldn't say they're in my world as in I don't have a teenager. I'm not like regularly, you know, hanging out at high schools. Um, I mean, that would be creepy, honestly, but like, let's see, like, but I think I just wrote, and what's so funny to me is that it's like so many people are like, how did you get it right? And I'm like, I don't know. I really don't. Like, that's just how the characters felt. And again, I wonder, well, I actually do think my improv students are mainly in their 20s. But I do feel like, you know, they dragged me over the years into, like, Venmo. I was like, what is Venmo? And because of them, I know all those things. And I, I'm sure that all played into, um, uh, uh, yeah, that that might have played into it as well.
0: Okay, Leah. So Alice is not going to hear this, what you say. How was she as a director? What was it like having uh. work for her?
3: <laughs> Alice has heard this with her earbuds in and without her earbuds. <laughs> it has been, you know... <sighs> It's it's such a fully loaded question and answer. But, you know, I was telling Alice the other day that this is something I've dreamt of since I was a kid, really. And she is the first of one of the first things in my life, the first time that I have ever been uh, able to really embody a character and be the lead of a film and a film that was written by her and directed by her. It was such an incredibly intimate experience, and I feel like Alice kind of opened me up in ways that I never, ever would have expected. And, you know, there were really easy times, but there were also very challenging times. But Alice was so patient and always took the time to help me get back to center and help me stay present through this. Actually, Alice, as a director, you didn't need to do that. You didn't have to tell me to stay present all the time. But because you did, this was such a memorable experience for me that I feel like, I could live through every second very, very vividly because of how present we were. And it was just, I kind of walked away from this movie with some of the closest friends I'll ever have. Like Alexis is one of my best friends. Um, Daniel and I are like thick as thieves. And that's all, all because of the work of Alice. And I guess you choosing these people and sheer, sheer luck and, and geniusness. But it's, it's, been, it's been a wild, beautiful experience.
1: I was going to say the chemistry of the cast is also very comforting to watch. And, uh, you know, and obviously I go back to, it's like, I can see myself, I can feel myself. And uh, that's, you, you love that if you're sitting on your couch and you're watching this and you're putting yourself into that movie. But um, Leah, yeah, I, I, I felt like, it, you know, the the relationships that you had with your cast members are also intimate um, and and comfortable. Uh, I I mean it's very brave I feel you know courageous to take a role where you hurt the the friend the guy um, and then you you have a crush on the girl who looks like she should she's generally or stereotypically a, a lead does that make sense like when you watch like a rom com or, or a romantic film um, it, you, it's it 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 doesn't always feel good if the lead is hurting. You know, the jock, you know, you know, the jock is usually the guy who gets the the cheerleader. The roles were just so different, but you played it uh, comfortably. I hope I'm articulating this right for you. Oh, yeah. You know, this is the the people are really um, seeing themselves in this film that don't stereotypically tell the traditional roles in Hollywood type movies when it comes to love. Young love, I should say.
3: Well, it's interesting because um, when you kind of set up the main character, possibly hurting the jock situation in this story, it's not even that really Ellie is hurting Paul. She literally is just existing and kind of coming into her own truth, which is what's really interesting about it. We, We see Ellie's emotions and we see her struggles and we carry that with us. And Paul just happens to be in these circumstances where it doesn't really work out for him. <laughs> so I feel like that's when the the love between everyone though really really does pay off in the end. And these characters they're not like what um I guess you would find in a normal rom-com. I mean, you see the nerd and you see the jock and you see the beautiful girl, but all of them have such different layers. Um that make them not just these two-dimensional characters. They all have their own qualities and their own families and their hopes and dreams. And the one thing that they all have in common is being stuck in Squamish. So it's interesting seeing the beautiful girl have so much depth and the jock not necessarily be the star jock, but like the almost kind of trying jock who really <laughs> kind of wants to succeed. And then Ellie, who is not this nerd, she is so much more than that. She's kind of like this, this home family scholastic warrior, I feel like.
0: We've got a lot of questions coming in online So I want to read uh, some of them One person writes, hi Alice I noticed some parallels with Saving Face and I wanted to ask if that was Intentional. For example, Ellie and her Dad's relationship is like Will And her mom's in the previous movie Um, And plus another one I noticed was Ellie Working for Astor's dad While Will working for Vivian's dad In Saving Face. Are there Intentional uh, themes You use? (laughs)
2: Think uh, well. I guess I wouldn't say because I actually don't think Ellie and her dad's relationship is at all like Will and her mom's relationship in Saving Face, except that they're Chinese. Like I think what what is similar is that for me as a Chinese person, um, we don't say I love you to our parents, and our parents don't say I love you to us. But I think it's so funny. I think Will and her mom are like, like her mom's just constantly nagging Will. And Will's mom is very like out there. And it's like, this is what you should do. And I think Ellie and her dad, her dad is actually never, like it's much quieter. It's like a very different kind of relationship. Um, I think what maybe people are saying is to me, those are different representations of familial relationships I've experienced being an Asian or Asian American. But I don't think that that's, Uh, specific just to those two movies. I think if you were to see any Asian American, you you know, like I I actually don't think that that's a parallel. And I guess I didn't really think of, uh, uh, I mean, I I think the idea that Ellie works for Deacon Flores, I guess so, but not really. They never have any interaction. But I think when you're trying to write a movie, you do need characters to intersect and you need worlds to intersect. Right. So it's just a function of narrative. Um, I will say that there are a couple of things that I pers- per uh, put in, uh, the half of it as Easter eggs for saving face, but that the more than that, there's like Easter eggs all over the place from classic films that mattered to me growing up. Um, but if you take any two films, you could start to be like this and this are similar by just by nature of the fact that you have 90 to a hundred minutes and this is the narrative, but no, that I, I wouldn't say other, those things were intentional.
0: You want to keep going with more questions? Oh sure. Uh, someone else uh, noted that Ellie says at the end, "See you in two years," and wants to know if that means there's a sequel coming.
1: Oh, that was one of my questions. <laughs> Thank you, whoever wrote that,
2: <laughs> Alice. All you. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. I don't. I don't think this movie needs a sequel. I think this movie, the beauty of it is, it's really. It's not about who gets the girl. I think it's about uh, a journey of self discovery, and it's about these three people through their collision. Each of them learns something which allows them to become the person they need to be. Does that mean that there could be? I suppose there could, but the only reason I think there is to make a sequel is because it in and of itself would be a fantastic movie in and of itself, right? And I think there's a danger here where I get it. People want to know what happens. But I I think it's similar. I actually think if Casablanca were released today, everyone would be like, wait, what? She got on the plane. We need a sequel. Do Rick and Elsa ever see each other again? Like, I think there's that desire and I get it. But I think it might cheapen the beauty, the actual sort of beauty of this film, which is that Ellie Chu's life is not going to get bad. Like, her life isn't about being a Pastor Flores. Her life is like the world is her oyster now. Like, anything can happen. And that last beat of the movie... Like given that I think a lot about first shot, last shot for your main characters and the first shot of Ellie is literally we see the back of her, right? We don't even see her full face until toward the end of that sort of montage of like uh, of her getting ready in the morning. And the last beat of the film was literally just holding on her face, like full on, like just holding, watching her go through that journey. And then just in the end, just that beat of like a direct eyeline and just a beat of confidence. And for me, that is everything. Because it it basically, like, we don't know for sure what's going to happen to Ellie. Ellie doesn't know for sure what's going to happen to Ellie. But I, we know she's going to be okay. And more importantly, she knows she's going to be okay. And for, like, someone to then be like, and by the way, this is exactly what happens, I think cheapens the beauty of what life is, which is literally whatever has happened to you today, tomorrow like that day is like yours right and it's about Ellie finally taking a step forward to be like you know what I do want more for myself and we don't know what that's going to be but that also means everything is possible
1: but but I mean I I I I do feel like there was a strong chemistry between after yeah. <laughs> oh no uh, that's Ellie. intentional and i think many of us you know at the end are like gosh Yes, they meet up again in two years and yep. they date.
2: Fan fiction is your friend. I, no, but that's my point. I love that you think that, but listen, here's the thing I'll tell you. Do you know how many people have said to me, do you think Ellie and Paul could be together? So what I am telling you is that Acrobats? I get that that is what you want. Yeah, oh my God, are you kidding me? I also get Hello? a lot of straight people. <laughs> yeah, they're not, that, no, but telling me like, yeah, I don't, but I'm say, what I'm saying is like, well, maybe that, because what they love is that. I am saying- That what's wonderful about that is that there's different kinds of relationships and friendships, right? And I'm saying like, sure, you can do that. But then I think it sort of cheapens the whole point of like all these people connecting. I mean, I personally might have my idea of what might make me happy, but you'll have yours and someone else will have theirs. But I don't think this movie is about answering that. This movie is about answering what happens when you take a risk and finally decide to show more of yourself.
1: I love it. I love it. Uh well, Leah, do you want to add something to that just cuz you know you bonded so much with Ellie and lots of people will ask you like you know, will Ellie and Aster end up together? <laughs> you know,
3: people actually ask me this question a lot and it wasn't until 2 days ago that I really really heard Alice's response, which is what you're saying right now and I've actually kind of imagined something different. Initially, I imagined, you know, after college I mean, when they go off to college. Okay restart. When Ellie goes off to college, I imagine she would stay in touch with Paul uh, and they would continue their relationship as best friends. And I imagine Ellie would navigate through some things with Aster now having known these things about herself. But Alice, you're right. You know, Ellie's life isn't just about Aster. I imagine Ellie will go on to do so many other things. Um, I was actually like, wow, you were Kind of giving your answer, Alice, about uh, what would happen in the future, what you don't want to happen in the future. I kind of pictured Ellie rocking in a chair on her porch, having lived a completely different life, maybe telling her kids with her wife about this one girl, Aster, that completely changed everything for her in high school. And that was the first time I ever really thought, like, maybe the narrative could go that way. Not saying that's where the sequel is going. I don't know anything about a sequel. But, like, my mind is definitely imagining so many different scenarios. But it really is up to everyone else um, to see where that goes.
1: So that shows you like, how much we're super into, you know, the movie. And uh, it is a reflection of our experiences in a lot of ways. John, do you want to add more well, questions from the audience?
0: Yeah, someone, and I'll ask this in slightly different ways to the, each of you, but someone in the audience uh, wrote in saying, you know, this is a great film. It, it really is important for LGBT youth to, you know, to see that representation on the screen. So maybe, Leah, what does it mean to have, you know, to have that impact on, on young people? And does that, I mean, that's a, that's a responsibility and I assume a bit of a gift. And then, of course, Alice you know, you, you set this up, you, you wanted to reach people. And, and how does that, uh, uh, what does that mean to you to be really having created this for young people who, yes, I think they're seeing more representation these days, but in some ways they're also, it, it's kind of like there, there, there isn't a place to hide anymore because it, there's so much attention on this. So maybe Leah, Leah first, um, what's it like to be, to be representing this for people?
3: It's an absolute privilege to be representing this this LGBTQ community that it's just even hearing the way that people have responded to this, saying like, I relate to this and this is my story exactly. It just kind of makes this whole experience and this whole project that much more gratifying to have been a part of because stories like this do need to be told and it's important that people out there know that stories like this are being thought of being told and being lived every single day and that people are not alone um it's very very
2: important all right i um yeah no similar to what leah said i mean here's the thing i'm a gay asian nerd right and i basically just made a movie about like a gay Asian nerd, and I actually do, sometimes I joke, but I kind of, am not like, I think when you make a film or you're writing a film, I think, look, writers, we're all these sort of repressed and nerdy people. And so it's probably not like, a, like, there's always a wish fulfillment of some sort, right? Like whether, even if it goes tragic, there's maybe, a, but in this case, I think there's probably a level of like wish fulfillment that when I was younger, I could have known that I was going to be okay someday because it turned out I am okay. <laughs> like, actually I do love my life, but when you're younger, you don't know that. Right. And I don't even think this is just about being gay. I actually think this is being in high school. I think, yes, Ellie's queer. Um, but I don't think Ellie's sitting, there's no queer students alliance in Squamish where she's sitting there writing about like, Oh, do I belong to this? I think literally Ellie is not thinking that she's even allowed love or a bigger future beyond just trying to keep things together for her family. Um, And to see, you know, I, I think in high school for a lot of us, certainly for me, it was so, I mean, I, I sort of realized this as people were like high school was profoundly lonely for me, but I think it takes you to becoming an adult before you realize that it's actually profoundly lonely for pretty much everyone. And so knowing that like, yeah, I'm telling it through the lens of a queer Asian immigrant kid, but I think the reason it resonates for so many people is everybody has some reason why they were so lonely, right? Even if they're like super popular, they're so lonely. And and I guess this is sort of a way of showing that you could be, like it doesn't need to be a big happy ending with a bow tied at the end, but, that the real happiness is realizing that you you it could be okay, like your future life could be okay. It sounds so trite when I say it like that, but I, I'm realizing that's kind of, you know, where it probably came from
1: you sound just like Ellie when you say that. Oh, really? (laughs) There's, there's a fact there that what you just said, Alice, I mean, there, there were a few things and it wasn't just about like, oh, being an LGBTQ person in high school, growing up and closeted at the time for me. Uh, But it was also the other things like, um, you know, Ellie being uh, proudly downing uh, the probiotic yogurt drink. Um, and, And the, you know, Cultural nuances that sometimes I think like we don't realize it's like in internalized as asian american people um and especially if you're
2: first generation second generation by the way i love that you're saying this quickly i want to jump in to say someone literally sent me a thing that i love that they were like i just felt so at home in this film and i couldn't figure out and i've been watching it over and over <laughs> and then i realized in the dumpling scene that there's like Zhejiang sesame oil brand in the background and i'm like because i was specific about that it's like and i saw it and it made me feel so at home and i was like super laughing how everyone does pay attention to these crazy details but yeah I'm sorry go ahead
1: yeah no, no 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 i i mean i was just going to add my personal i used to be so ashamed to you know pop the uh the white rabbit candy with the the, the paper wrapping all around him when i was a kid oh. but you know in 2020 you put a film out especially during this pandemic and COVID 19 and all this anti-asian racism and you know things that people eat the, that people have an opinion about uh and then of course throw in lgbtq and pride celebrations are canceled around the world i, I mean it 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 what it did was yes, bring me back to home i can 't visit my family anymore, but also it's so refreshing and so positive. I mean, yes, we need positive movies that tell us we can just be ourselves um in, in especially when you're fighting a you know pandemic and and also racism. I uh, would love yeah, to hear you if, if, if you've had uh, it, share with us more of those stories of people writing in who talk about, you know, thank you for putting something out there that Asian Americans can be proud of.
2: Yeah, I, my DMs yeah. are flooded and I feel terrible because in the beginning I'm not a social media person, so I and I'm still bad at like but they're like flooded with these like really personal stories. And I would just, in the beginning I was trying to respond to everyone and then at a certain point it became not possible, but I read everything right and like one that really hit me like well let's see one that i just got was someone basically wrote hi i just want you to know that like my daughter has just come out to me uh you know 16 and um and she's been cutting herself actually because of how she's felt so not like she's like barely out to the parent so and but is definitely not out to the rest of the school But she was like, she found this movie and was so excited to watch it with me. And like, and it feels like it's given her, like she feels hope. And I was just like, oh my God, (laughs) like that was one I had to respond to because I was just like, like the, you know, yeah, it was just, but I just get so many just incredible like stories of people from all over the world. Like the, just being like, I'm so sorry, my English isn't very good, but this is what's happening for me. Um, And you know, I didn't know that that would happen because, again, when you're writing something, you write it super personally. And then you're like, maybe people will just be a blip in the world and it goes away. Uh, but it was surprising. I mean, it's been incredibly gratifying. Um, but also, I guess it it, it just sort of um, shows how much I think once a film's out there, it just becomes bigger than, you know, Bigger than us, it's just sort of it becomes all those people who and what they bring to it, you know.
1: Leah, I feel like you probably you know, get responses too, if, uh, especially people just um, telling you it's so great to have a positive Asian American you know story lead first. generation. you mentioned it earlier. I mean, you have a great story of being adopted, um, uh, you know, from Shanghai, China, by Caucasian parents, and I think you could say some really great things for especially a lot of us who are. Grappling with this new environment we're in,
3: mhm, well, just what Alice said right now had me tearing up,
1: <laughs> and
3: I too actually do read everything as well, and I was also trying to like construct personal responses as well until it just got to be where I'm like, oh, I can't do this this is, <laughs> This is a lot, but I do want everyone to know out there that we do see these things, and I wish I hope everyone knows how much this means to Alice, I assume, and to myself as well. Um, Even though I was not from an immigrant family, um, growing up as a Chinese American in kind of a smaller town in Orlando, Florida, was always such a different experience. And it was something that I never could really pinpoint until after I actually left um, where I grew up. And it's interesting kind of seeing the different environments that allow people to really be themselves and not really be shamed for certain things or um, painted a certain way due to stereotypical beliefs. And you know, it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles and um, was able to find kind of more of an Asian community that I realized a lot of things. I didn't even realize in high school, like being maybe assumed that I was supposed to be smart at this or, you know, very modest in this area, in this area, or, um, not looking like my family was a really big one for me. And, um, even now I'm kind of realizing how interesting that is that I, I never really looked like my, my, my family and my mom is from New York and my dad is from Florida. And, uh, You know, they actually I'm very grateful to them because they really tried to keep what little they could and what they knew about the Chinese culture alive in my life. But even now, I am still discovering so many different things um, about getting in touch with my Chinese culture and just hearing that everyone out there is relating to this story so closely. I just the sense of community and the sense of love and knowing that people see themselves on screen. Is incredible because you know, growing up as well, I never really had anyone that I could watch as like a main character that was Asian that wasn't um, probably like twice my age at least (laughs) that I could really look up to and be like, wow, like yes, there is an Ellie Chu there that looks like me going through these things at school and this and whatnot. And it wasn't even until a couple years ago that I watched *To All the Boys I've Loved Before* which is a completely different story than our story. But the first time that I, as Leah, was able to really envision myself ever being able to have the opportunity to step into a role like this, where a story houses the space for the Asian American experience. And um, I didn't even realize that, that that's the way I felt two years ago when I saw Lana Condor for the first time. It really kind of sparked a lot of dreams and goals for me as Leah. And I can like, I hope that this film is doing the same for people out there with whatever they're invested in at the
1: moment. Sorry. I just kind of like rambled. <laughs> John, let's go back to the Thank audience you. to see if we've got more questions.
0: Well, you both seem to be in good spirits, but if you ever have a down moment, just go to this video and, and watch, read through the chat, live chat questions and comments. Cause there's lots of stuff such as I literally just finished watching this 10 minutes ago. Great movie. Thanking another one, thanking both of you for making the movie, uh, how much they loved it. But here's a question, uh, I guess for Alice, how much did Cyrano de Bergerac play in your conception of this film?
2: Oh, it's openly a a it's openly a take on Cyrano. Uh, well, it starts as that, but it's like very deliberately it's a take on Cyrano set in high school. But it's kind of like a Cyrano meets Pygmalion, and the reality is. I'm somewhat subversively, like I'm leading you in thinking this is a Sereno story. But midway through, I sort of do a subtle switcheroo on you where it suddenly goes a direction you wouldn't necessarily expect because, you know, Sereno, the whole thing is, is he or who's going to get the girl, right? But in this film, partway through, I think what happens is it's like, oh no, you start to fall in love with all of them, right? Like you don't want any of them to get hurt. It's not like... You know, and a lot of times in a Sereno story, you want Sereno to win and the other person that, you know, is somewhat callow or shallow in some way. But in this case, um, I think what happens is, of course, you love Ellie Chu. She's in like, she's really like, the, the, the it's her story. But you start to, like, you first meet Paul. And I think, you know, you're like, who's this guy? And then you start to fall in love with him. So at a certain point, like, you're like, oh, no, I can't even tell you how many of my lesbian friends and dyke friends have been like... I don't know what happened, but I think I'm gay for Paul. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, or they're like, they identify with Paul, or they're like, this is a straight guy I can like, you know. And it's sort of, and and I think that's so intentional, so that you start to realize like, oh, I, I'm kind of playing with those tropes. And then the hope is you're in then at that point for the characters and 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 sort of what their ultimate. Uh, I mean, I mean, I get this, this at this point, people watching this probably already know what the end is and we already talked about it, but the hope is that, and I had multiple people read the script and be like, I got to this part where I started like, oh no, how is this going to end? Like, you know, and, <laughs> and I think the ending that we have is actually the happiest ending that you could have um, for all three characters.
0: Leah, a question for you. Someone asks, did you speak Mandarin growing up or was it something you learned later? Your pronunciation was on the spot.
3: Guys... means so much to me because I did not grow up speaking Mandarin. Um, My mother had actually enrolled me in classes for Mandarin when I was younger. But unfortunately, my attention span was probably as big as a piece of sand. And I was not (laughs) able to retain that. But um, I did have to learn the lines for Ellie in this film. And we practiced for two months. And I remember honestly doing this every single day like everyone around me I'm like how does this sound not like I could really understand what I was saying anyway because they didn't speak Mandarin but Alice guided me through every single step of this it was so thank you for being so patient with me but that was something that I I really really wanted to be as accurate as possible because this this is somebody's language you know it's unfortunately not my native language but um I really, really took the time and consideration into that to try and make it as best as possible. So that's really cool to hear. I was stressing about it. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, I, I wanna say that like Mandarin is an extremely hard language to speak if you don't have a lot of uh, uh like if you don't grow up hearing it. Um and Leah has a an incredible work ethic. I think she should like I don't know if people know how hard it is for her to do what she did. But also, I mean I've said this on something else, but I, I do actually wanna go on record and say I believe like Leah Lewis is going to win an Oscar in our lifetimes. Like I firmly believe that and I will go on record saying that like she's just a phenomenal talent and I think for her to go from you know she as she pointed out like yes instinctually Leah is nothing like Ellie Chu as Leah is now right like I think Leah's like she's confident she's funny she could sing when she was younger she had like a very she's very extroverted and Ellie is very you know like she hates it like is very introverted and hates attention and is like you know and I think for Leah to like strip away like you know i was basically asking her to strip away all those things that she has built up over the years that are wonderful and work for her right it's like earned confidence and i'm asking her to like slowly peel those things down to get to the core of what would you know what like basically find the ellie inside her and that's so hard to do and i think even just the mandarin is just a small window into what that process is like right and i just i like, working with Leo was honestly one of the best working experiences my entire life. I, I really um, was grateful for it.
1: That's Me so too. awesome. I did want to note that. I mean, I mean, what uh, actors, actresses, and artists are able to do, you know, and just find themselves or not themselves and play people that are not them. I mean, it's just so brilliant. Uh, and so going back to this brilliancy, Alice, this is your second film. Someone from the audience had mentioned your first film, Saving Face. And so how do you feel about uh this second film that's got positive reviews and people are loving it?
2: Yeah, I, I'm still processing it, to be totally honest, because I've been girding my loins ever since the film. Like we've been like as soon as they announced it in January, and all of a sudden I didn't first of all I did not realize I knew I had like a small, very like very devoted fan base, but I thought it was very small. I literally thought it was like maybe all my friends and like all the people they dated and maybe all the people they dated and that's about it. Right. But like, it was, it was a lot more people than I expected at least, or they're just a lot more vocal on social media. Um, And then I became incredibly terrified because they were like, we love Saving Face. This is gonna be great. And I'm like, oh my God, this is not, this is not like Saving Face 2. This is a different kind of movie. It's a much more melancholy movie. I'm like serving a I'm I, you know, I'm asking a different question that I'm trying to answer. And so I'm like, I don't see how this cannot just lead to a flood of disappointment. Like people literally were writing things like, I trust Alice with my life. And I was like, please do not do that. That's like a terrible idea. Like, you know, please lower your expectations and just watch it. And I'm really amazed. Like, I have zero doubt that in that body of people, I'm sure for a lot of people, Saving Face will be their favorite. And they'll be like, I like this too, but it's not as good as Saving Face. And that's cool. It's like you have two children. Not everyone is going to love, you know, both children. Um, But for me, I love both children equally. And I think they both have different attributes and they both share some similar DNA. And I've been incredibly lucky that... um, you know, for the most part, people have been so generous and willing to support definitely beyond what I would have imagined. So, I mean, I keep waiting for like the next week when they're all like, you know, I saw it again. And no, like I keep waiting <gasps> for something bad to happen. <laughs> so No. Yeah.
0: Well, let me ask the most obvious question, but I'm going to ask it of each of you. What are you working on now or what is next? So, Leo, what's on your plate next?
3: What's on my plate next? I plan on making pasta for lunch. And (laughs) uh, at the moment, I'm just trying to stay as present as possible and healthy, emotionally and physically. I'm just kind of staying in the present at the moment, nothing in the future. Although I uh, I do have a season two of Nancy Drew coming out in the very, very way future. But that's not something we need to worry about now. <laughs> when everything picks back up, I think I'll we'll be we'll be doing
2: that. But as of now, just hanging out and living life.
0: Very good. Alice, how about you? What what are you working on?
2: Oh uh, well, so I always am writing something for myself, but I usually don't write those things knowing if they're going to become something that I'll want, you know, like I may write and write and maybe none of it will turn into anything that I think is worth trying to make, right? If, if it does, then I'm going to be out there trying to make it. And if it doesn't, I mean, yes, I, my agents are sending me a bunch of stuff and I'm reading things. But the truth is I've never been someone who feels like I have to make a film just to make a film or I have to, you know, like for me, it's got to be, I love this project, in which case I'll kill for it. Otherwise, I, I truly am like, I'm looking forward to seeing my friends. I'm um, not just on Zoom calls, like eating food. Uh, I can't wait to hug people honestly like I want to like see my family and I want to hug them I think that's probably first and foremost
1: I I wanted to ask this from filmmakers and actors and actresses I mean how do you think this will change it's a hard question though I I I don't even you can say pass if you don't want to answer it but how do you think it'll change you know what you do as a profession and, and you know going on set and shooting scenes with people and I don't even know. I don't even know what we're going to do here at the Commonwealth Club, (laughs) except I know that, thank goodness, we have a virtual opportunity. We're so used to doing a live audience thing. Or you can even ask, answer it from the perspective of how do you think this, this whole COVID-19 thing will impact your, your profession as an actor, actress, and you can even say like you don't know yet, right? Because many of us <laughs> yeah. are saying that about our own profession. You could even answer it from you know what. Thank goodness we have Netflix because people are at home and continuing to watch our art and it's accessible. Uh, but I was just wondering from your for y- your profession if if you had started to think about how this all it will impact you in the future.
3: Ah uh, yes, um, I actually really have no clue how this is going to affect our industry. I mean, what you brought up about Netflix and all these platforms is a very, very valid point. And I'm very grateful that, you know, through amidst everything, people are still turning to the characters that they love on TV and turning to entertainment and art and whatnot. Um, You know, I really don't know. I'm I'm really not not sure. sure.
2: Alice. Yeah. Same. Uh, same. I. I. Uh. I think. I think. You know. I. I think there. I know people who are working on, like you know, a task force in New York and this and that. But the reality is, um, I don't know that any of us knows, um, what's going to happen. I suspect that just because I have a number of friends in like post production or editing you know, and everyone is now doing it in their own homes. I'm very curious if that means there's going to be more do-it-yourself work that like, let's say the next two years we're basically stuck in this until a vaccine comes out, right? I mean, I'm curious if that means there's going to be some like, you know, do-it-yourself stuff that gets out there and people are going to be watching different formats, which, I mean, that's sort of my most optimistic version of like this, ter- because I, I'm i curious to hear new voices, right? Um, but in terms of, you know, Hollywood as we know it. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like even before COVID nineteen, we we're starting to go through different kind of a sea change. Um, just you know, obviously Netflix is a huge disruptor over the last few years, and um, and I think the pandemic really, um, I, I think it, it sort of accelerated for a lot of more traditional studios the sense of wow, we really need to figure out what our streaming you know, like how how we can release things streaming. And I think they're probably all sitting back and watching right now to be like, well, if we did release this thing streaming that was intended for theatrical, um, does it do well? Like they're probably thinking about the economics of that, which I'm, I confess I'm a little sad about as an old school uh, filmmaker where I do love the theatrical experience. And actually Netflix was going to give us a theatrical on this before this all happened. Um, but I also chose Netflix instead of like a couple of theatrical options I had because I knew that it would just the access, like the, it's reach. It it reaches people who are never going to go to the theater to see this movie, you know, and a teens, teens, generally teens, aren't even going to the theater to watch Marvel movies these days, you know? So I knew if I'm reaching those people, Netflix, best game in town. Um, but even for other, like even for action films, like Maybe it is fine. I I don't know. Like, so that's going to be fascinating to see if when we come out of this, the bar for theatricals set higher in a different way.
1: Uh, and I, and I really only ask these types of questions because I don't know either, <laughs> and and I and I'm like, oh, thank goodness, everybody else doesn't know, so I'm
2: good. I'm, I'm <laughs> we're the all same trying to level figure it out. <laughs> everybody. We else. all got together to discuss it. We all know. We just did not invite you. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh,
1: we're winding down. I want to make sure we get some of these last. Uh, questions. L-
0: let's get one more question in from the audience. And someone asked uh, for Alice. How did you transition from being a software engineer to film director and creative uh, artist you're an inspiration to, to, excuse me, you're an inspiration for me to really chase the same dream
2: Oh wow, you know I, I, I would love to answer that question, but I also know I feel like we only have a couple more minutes, and I don't want to be like taking that whole time up talking about something that that also you can google and probably read about <laughs> because I've actually answered that question before, but I will say I, I love that. I feel like whoever asked it, what I'm hearing is whoever asked it secretly has a dream that they are want to pursue and that they also probably have a comfortable situation that they would have to let go of in order to pursue that dream. And I would say that I super understand that and not to judge yourself for not having like done something brave. Cause I get that all the time where people are like, why were you so brave? I'm not. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I am. I actually think what I, I spent many years as a software engineer not doing anything that would be considered brave, right? And I think that where you are on your path is where you're supposed to be. And the fact that you know you want something more is exciting because it means that's there. And just to be gentle with yourself about how that emerges, because like I just turned 50 last week, right? I just made a movie of teenagers in it. Nobody knows anything, right? Like, I made one other movie that came out 15 years ago, right? So let me be an inspiration that, like, apparently the clock is not ticking as fast as you think because, you know, like, there's time. Like, and you know, so I feel like just know that uh, I, I think the important thing is that you want to reach for something and just know that that whatever that is, um know that your time will come for that. Like, just keep... I, I don't know. I, I, it sounds vague when I say it like that, but I, I mean that, like, keep giving space for that thing. And as that thing starts to crystallize and you start to realize what you love about it, I bet the rest of it will become more clear.
1: You had about five minutes left, and then I'll just ask the last question. It's to both of you, and it really is um, uh, about, uh, yeah, the, a future, you know, kind of a question. Uh, so, Leah, um, if you you... You played a character that I saw myself in, and so if there was a story where you could see yourself and someone were to play it, uh, who would it be? Who would it be? I know, that's a hard question. Or what would the story be? Yeah, or maybe it's a role that you uh, um, could potentially see yourself in in the future.
3: So... I actually know this actress. Her name is Alice Lee. And her and I actually did a couple testings together for certain projects. And I always found her acting style and just her personality very quirky and how unaware, of, unaware she is of herself. But yet she is just a really cool person and makes really confident choices. I would love to see her in a quippier life story version. Okay, I'm not making any sense. I would just love to see her play me. She, she's a really great actress. <laughs> Alice Lee, look out for her folks. She's she's really great.
1: <laughs> and, and and uh, you know, Alice, I mean, you said it earlier, right? Like in both your films, there are parts of the storylines that are personal to you. You always write, you know, with a personal voice. Um, so... Considering that you just turned 50, uh, happy birthday, or, or or at least this year sometime if, ish, yeah? <laughs> Maybe, like, you know, the fut- a future story that you might be writing, and we could see a little bit of you again. Uh, if it's not, if it's not Leah who plays the next... would i cast somebody who would be who would
2: oh justin timberlake for sure (laughs) i freaking love justin timberlake like if my life could from here like if you're basically asking me like what how i will live the rest of my life and then i would love like from 50 to like 70 who well actually he's too young to do that but my point well maybe by the time i get around to writing it he won't be but like i would love the rest of my life to mimic like you know justin timberlake's talents i mean you know like, come on! He can sing, he can dance, he's funny.
3: He got three great albums. Very, very right?
2: good. Uh, no, no, no. He, you're right. I
1: mean, uh, yes. Not the answer you were expecting. I genuinely no, loved it wasn't the original. answer I was expecting, but I'll take it because I'm a Justin Timberlake fan, and yes, in sync and all that. I mean, hello, nineties kid. Um, this has been super fun and super great. And again, thank you so much for the half of it. It truly lifted a, a, a moment for me during a very difficult time right and especially when you're sitting there and trying to find a movie on netflix anyway that takes up like hours but um <laughs> the half of it yeah <laughs> when it popped up it was just like this is great and you know you're hearing the responses so people love it um so thank you for sharing the half of it with us and being on the michelle meow show thank you so much for having Michelle, thank you for having us. This has been such a good experience. This is so cool. <laughs> John, I'll toss it to you to, for, to end the program.
0: I'll just add more thanks. Thanks to our, our two speakers today. Thanks to Michelle. Thanks to all of you who have been watching us and asking great questions online. Uh, we will be, of course, uh, posting this elsewhere online, on video and in podcast form. So please like, share, follow us. And, uh, of course, find out about more programs that we have coming up. We've got them on all kinds of topics, including two this Thursday that Michelle and I are doing right here again. Uh, So just go to CommonwealthClub.org online. Thanks again and have a great week.